Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Hello everyone, my name is Simon Webster and I'd like to welcome you to the final episode in Series 5 of Pubs, Pints, People. Joining me in this episode are Claire Phillips and Alison Tafts. And I have to start by asking you both, have you recovered from attending the Great British Beer Festival last month? Oh yeah, I mean hello both of you. What, what a great time we had uh, meeting up in Olympia and so good to be back at the Beer Festival and, and just such a, a, a great day out. I mean I, I wish I could have stayed there for, for more days than I did, but uh, had a fabulous time and really enjoyed seeing the GBBF back on again. Yeah, it was a great, a great one, wasn't it? I was there for most of the week on the Discovery Bar, dispensing, best of all, free beer and cider. So I was very popular and it was brilliant uh, meeting lots of brewers and cider makers uh, and fantastic people trying new things. So yeah, really good. Can't wait for next year. Uh, just thinking back, one of the highlights for me was getting to meet both of my co-hosts in person. Uh, and uh, Alison, I do remember you pouring me a couple of uh, ciders to experiment with on the Learn and Discover bar, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> both of them. Anyway, leaving GVBF behind, uh, moving on to the theme of uh, this episode, it's uh, Game On, as we look at the joys of pub games across the years. We're also going to shine a spotlight on Camera's Halifax branch, ahead of the Calderdale Beer and Cider Festival, which is taking place later this month from the 22nd to the 24th of September. And we'll be speaking with Jane Payton, who's an award-winning writer, public speaker and drinks expert. She founded School of Booze and the annual Cheers to Beers on Beer Day Britain. We'll also speak with Emma Inch, yet another award-winning freelance writer, audio maker and podcast consultant who chairs the British Guild of Beer Writers. Oh, I had really good fun chatting to Jane Payton, actually. She's uh, super and full of knowledge and information about drinks and quizzes. And who would have thought that podcast consultant would be a job title, eh? Well, how fantastic is that? 
Well, I hope most of you listening will have taken part at some point in a pub game, certainly probably a pub quiz. And I think we all know that events like this, open mic nights, skittle alleys, they can help make some of the quieter nights in the pub really popular, as well as bringing people together and getting people to chat and breaking down barriers. Uh, are you into the pub quiz scene, Simon and Claire? Well, I do like a, a good pub quiz and I, I do go to, to some. I think what you're saying there, though, about um, other events as well that, that bring people in on perhaps quieter nights, open mic nights, that's very popular in, in some of the pubs uh, around where I am. And even actually some of the pubs just have a whole load of board games. Um, I was playing that, is it called Buckaroo, the one where you've got a donkey and you put <laughs> yeah. all the bits on it and then it suddenly bucks and all the stuff goes all over the place. And they've a, a pub near me has a whole load of games like that. It's a really different way just to, to spend an evening at the, at the pub with your mates but um, yeah I mean poker nights is very popular in some of our local pubs as, as well so all credit to landlords for coming up with different events games nights quiz nights to get people in to do something different. feels like we've, we've touched on a couple of the games that uh, many people will be familiar with in pubs but uh, let's now hear from a couple of pub games experts to dive into this in a little bit more detail. First up is Emma Inch, who created a video for Camera's Learn and Discover platform, which celebrates a variety of pub games in the UK. If I'm in a pub, I can probably have my arm twisted to play pretty much anything, actually. That's not to say I'll be any good at it. But I just, I, I love the idea of a pub game and I love joining in with things. And I love the fact that a lot of pub games, you don't have to be that good to play them. One of my favourites, though, is definitely darts. In fact, at the beginning of um, the beginning of the first lockdown in March 2020, which in some ways feels a long time ago and in some ways feels like only yesterday, I bought us a dartboard and stands to have at home. Just to, you know, maybe occasionally recreate that feeling of being in the pub again i'm not that good at darts but i just really really enjoy it but there's so many pub games you know honestly if you see me in the pub do ask me to play something because i'll probably say yes um, it feels as if pub games have been around forever do you know when pubs first introduced games and can you share any early examples so yeah i presume games have been played in pubs since people were getting together in pubs really the uh, the love of playing doesn't disappear once you turn 18 adults and children alike both like to play there's this fantastic book um, that i'd recommend anyone who's interested in pub games to have a look at it's called played at the pub the pub games of britain and it's by arthur taylor and it's just a fantastic book loads of photographs as well really really interesting about the uh, the beginnings of lots of different games the uh, and also some very unusual games that have continued to survive and you know tells you a bit about the regional games and and the kind of things people used to play and where where they came from you know it's a huge wide ranging book all the way from card games to throwing things to tabletop games um all these sorts of things and that gives you a really good history but uh i think as soon as people get together you can tell that when when two people kind of sit together feeling a bit bored on a train for example it's not long before you know some sort of game might might come up even if it's a word game or a, a, a joking game or a counting game or something when people get together they like to play games and you've just reminded me there there's so many um different types of games that people can play and they require mm -hmm. you know different amounts of, of space or uh, you know if you might have darts or, or a snooker table but then equally you mentioned card games and you know mm -hmm. you can just sit around the normal pub table playing cards quite happily can't you 
Absolutely. You don't need a lot of space to have games in pubs. So, yeah, dominoes, again, is another good example, or, or cribbage or stuff like that. You know, even games like darts or, or toad can be packed away so that they're not in the way. There's also a lot of games that people play outside, so they might be more summer games. Arthur Taylor describes this this pursuit of dwell flonking. I don't know if you've heard of this one, no. which is played outside the pub with a, a flonker wetting his dwell in ale uh, and hurling it around. And I, I believe it involves like a, a wet rag on the end of a stick that gets flung about a bit. So obviously there's games that are played outside as well. Yeah, but you don't need a lot of room to play games. And, and there's a lot of you know, more modern maybe tap rooms are discovering nowadays. I know that the Beak Tap Room in Lewis has recently got hold of a whole load of board games for people to come and play in the tap room and, and there's there's all sorts of new board games you can get now that people are using in in tap rooms and and pubs right across the country you certainly don't need huge amounts of room to to start playing a game no if we surveyed our listeners or camera members in general what do you think might come out as the top three or the top five most popular games well i expect darts would be up there it is one of the most popular games that people play and obviously it's also a game that's shown on TV as well it's not not only played in pubs another thing people really like to to do in pubs and and it always comes up very highly when you ask people about the the kinds of pursuits they want to see in pubs and the kind of games they want to play is pub quizzes and i'm sure most people will have ended up on a pub quiz team either either voluntarily or or because they just happen to be sat in the pub at the time when the quiz starts but that's always a very popular one one that's become very popular near me is called Toad or Toad in the Hole. And that's had this massive resurgence since lockdown. And Toad is it's a really simple game involving throwing brass coins into a, a, a lead-topped wooden table, a little hole in a, a lead-topped wooden table. So it's really simple. Uh, you stand there and you toss your wooden coins. And in this country, it's a very localised game. Most Toads is played in and around Lewis, which is the, the county town of East Sussex. But in Brighton, where I live and in various other towns around, over in Worthing, obviously up in Lewis and many of the towns and villages around. There's been this huge resurgence in playing Toads since uh, just in the past sort of year, 18 months or so. And I think that's really interesting and perhaps says something about pub games in that, you know, we, we were sort of forced apart for, you know, the best part of two years in terms of either lockdowns or in terms of restrictions around how and when we could go to the pub and certainly in terms of how we could play games with each other other particularly strangers that, that that I think it's really interesting that there's been this massive resurgence to the point of loads of pubs now having their own teams various local leagues and I, th- I just think that's kind of says something about the importance of playing and the importance of of playing together in pubs and and coming together to do those sorts of things yeah they're very inclusive by their nature aren't they if you think of you know toad you just mentioned or, or quizzes quizzes are a great example of it it brings together people with different knowledge but and they can come together as, as a team in a you know a relaxed and fun environment a lot of these games you don't have to be very good at to just have a go but as you say pub quiz is a good example you might have different bits of knowledge than the other people on your table but things like throwing coins in a hole anyone can have a go I mean I'm not very good at it by any means but I I, I enjoy having a go at playing and if there's a toad table free in a pub I'll often have a little play on it just because it's fun you know it's fun trying to throw brass coins in a hole I don't know why it just is (laughs) I guess when you think of people coming together in local leagues and and playing in sort of large groups landlords must uh, really welcome the additional income this brings in in these particularly challenging times 
I hope they do. And I know that, that some of the pubs, as I say, around here who've got toad tables are, are welcoming the fact that maybe on some of the quieter nights of the week, people will come in to practice or, you know, they can set up practice sessions. We know over the years, various games have disappeared from pubs. You know, a lot of pool tables have disappeared from pubs. Um, a lot of dartboards have disappeared from pubs. And I think, I think that's sometimes because landlords may feel I don't have the room for that and I don't want that huge part of the bar taken up with with people playing a game when there's other people here trying to eat or whatever so I think it's about for landlords to kind of think how they can how they can do that you know how they how they can um have the two together really I know with <clears throat> with both toads and and darts they're very easy to pack away if if you don't want those happening on that particular night then then pack them away and make sure that that area is clear for other um other users of the bar but i think they, they can really get people in on quieter nights of the week as you say in these really tough times i wonder if landlords can can try and think about how they how they use those sorts of things to their benefit really i don't think you can underestimate the benefits of coming together and playing in a team and just having that social aspect and, and making friends with other people i think that can be incredibly valuable to many people Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And some of those best best evenings in pubs are sometimes those unexpected evenings where you go home and you, you say, oh my goodness, you know, I only went for a quick pint and then I got caught talking to this person and he showed me how to play this game. And I ended up there all evening meeting all these new people and then my friend came along and then we joined in and, you know, oh, let's go back there again. We had such a nice time. Those sorts of unexpected things that games can produce, you can end up by their nature you have to talk to the other people and there may be people you know and you may be forming as you say like a team and having some kind of camaraderie around that or they may be complete strangers and you get talking to them we don't have many opportunities to do that nowadays you know with so much so much of our lives conducted online or at a distance it's it's not often that we sort of run into strangers in a way that we can start chatting to them and i, I think that you know I've, as i say the the resurgence of toad yeah. in in my area i think really shows that people want that and and really need that that kind of contact do you think pub games are, are mainly a, a uniquely british thing or you know do you know if they exist in let's say in europe or in the united states or or even further afield in australia I think they're a uniquely human thing, really. I think that our pub culture is is obviously unique. Our beer culture is is obviously unique. You know, Cascale, to an extent, kind of fairly low ABV, bringing people together, having a very sort of slow, convivial kind of drinking sessions is kind of unique. But I think people people want to come together and play wherever they are. And in fact, funny enough, uh, the game of darts originated from from a french game so you know it was it although we may think of it as a, a distinctly english game it, it's not it when it originated it was it brought together two games a british game called puff and dart but also a french game called flechettes and they came together so so in reality darts is a french game which i think not many people know that's a great fact that completely passed me by you've renewed my interest in pub games and i think i might go and uh, take a look to see what games some of the pubs around where i live here in surrey have got to offer so thank you very much brilliant do that yes <laughs> i really enjoyed listening to that interview with emma because the toad in the whole game sounds like great fun and it's nice and compact to squeeze into a pub it's certainly something i'll have to try at some point if i if i ever find a pub that's uh, that's got toad in the hole and some of these games as well are, are quite on the endangered species list I thought because you know it's a classic example like so many things use it or, or lose it things like bar billiards um, I have seen bar billiards in one or two pubs 
but not that many. And if we don't play these games, then we are going to lose them. That's right. And I know there is a website that you can look at to find out where the pubs close to you might still have bar billiards tables. There's definitely one in Nottingham called The News House. And apparently it was particularly popular uh, because it doesn't take up much room. So in terms of fitting it into a pub, it's a lot easier than, you know, a full table like snooker or even pool. And of course, staying with Nottingham, there's the Dragon Pub in the centre of the town where they have a room with a electric set. Now, there's an idea. There's also the Four Thieves in Battersea who have a huge model car track that looks simply amazing. So maybe that's the only way you can drink and drive safely. But as we mentioned a little bit earlier, there's also a brilliant video that Emma's created on the Learn and Discover section of our website that looks at pub games in a lot more detail. So I would definitely recommend checking it out. And if you're not a regular on Learn and Discover, why not take a look around at some of the other many excellent videos which are on the platform? It's free of charge for camera members. And I must say, I've heard universally positive feedback about the platform in general. And of course, how can we forget the much-loved pub quiz? Savvy landlords will know that a well-run pub quiz can really transform an otherwise dead night of the week into a real money spinner. I mean, I've been to some pubs on, say, a, a Tuesday night, which would otherwise be really quiet, and they've been packed and they've put out sandwiches and, and all sorts of things for, for half-time, as it were. I usually come home with a wooden spoon, but that's another story. Anyway, now we're going to hear from Jane Payton, who, along with her extensive expertise in the world of drinks, also used to run a pub quiz. So I'm here with Jane Payton. Jane, hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would. Hello, I'm a beer sommelier, cider sommelier, drinks educator, educated in wine and spirits as well, accredited. I run a business called the School of Booze and that's events, education, training, advocacy, writing, broadcasting, anything to do with alcoholic drinks, but also increasingly the non-alcoholic version of alcoholic drinks. We're talking today all about uh, pub games, and I know you have quite a bit of experience at being a quiz master. So tell us a little bit about that, Jane. Yes, I'd started uh, hosting a pub quiz years ago. I don't do it anymore, actually, but it was I started in about 2008. It was in a Gordon Ramsay pub in London, and the manager of all the pubs was a friend of mine, and he wanted to just introduce the pub to the locals. It hadn't been turned into the restaurant that it was going to be, but he wanted the locals to come in and see what the pub was and to start to use it because the beer selection was so much better than it had been when it was to Gordon Ramsay pub so he wanted to really big up the beer and a good way of doing that is to invite people in and have a pub quiz so when I started doing my pub quiz there was always a decent pint to have to uh, lubricate my vocal cords. <laughs> that sounds good and how was it actually running that how, how did you find it as the quiz master in, in that situation? The locals really supported it but also because it was a really iconic pub we got lots of non-locals coming as well so there was always a different type of clientele there from the locals who came regularly and became friends of mine actually to uh, visitors which was wonderful to be able to show them this incredible pub and help them have a good time so I was very much an MC type of host of, of the quiz I made friends with the people 
it was an entertainment rather than just the quiz being the, the questions being asked. I was entertaining. I was making little games up for them to play. We were being sociable. We were introducing people to each other. So it became a real community. So I was a different type of quiz host in that some of the quizzes I've been to, the people there don't engage at all with the the customers. They just read the questions out. Other times you might go to a, a pub quiz and there's a drag queen as the the host. In that case, it's all about entertainment and and fun and interactivity. I like doing the pub quiz, apart from in the following week when certain people would come back to me and tell me that I'd made a mistake, that (laughs) I said that X town had the biggest harbour in the world when really it was Y town. So I'd just look at them and go, haven't you got anything better to do with your life? (laughs) So that was the side of quizzing that I wasn't keen on. Also, I discovered that um, smartphones had just come out and I didn't realise that smartphones could be used to cheat at quizzes. So people were actually cheating, not my locals, my regulars, it was the the visitors. And some of them were cheating, they were looking at the phones and and cheating, getting the answers from the phone. So that meant that I had to start writing questions that were oblique, that you couldn't search for on the internet. Because it's not fair to be cheating because you want people to win on real terms. Wow, it's incredible, isn't it? Some, it, it quite a level of responsibility involved with being a quiz master. Um, and I can see this uh, issue with people taking issue with your answers might be quite uh, quite tricky, yeah. But how did the um, night that you were having, because obviously you were doing this regularly, how did that impact on the pub? We did it on a Tuesday night. So the best night for a pub quiz is always a, a quiet night for the pub. The thing about pub quizzes is if they're on a regular busy night, then people in that pub aren't necessarily there for the quiz and it can be quite distracting for them. So to do it on a quiet night when most of the people there have probably come because of the quiz, that's the thing to do. Also, it means that you're getting custom on on a night that might traditionally be quiet. So we did a, a Tuesday evening and it really helped the income, it helped the bottom line for sure, made the pub a lot busier. People would be buying drinks all night, they'd be buying snacks. We didn't have any food at the time in the pub because it was being turned into a, a restaurant pub. But they'd be putting money in the till. So it was just really good and it really great atmosphere. And because everybody was there for the quiz, it just built up this real sense of this is our pub for the night and this is what we're doing. We're having this night out and we're having a really great time. That sounds fantastic. And what do you think are some of the other benefits of having these interactive quizzes or games in pubs uh, for people? It does bring a sense of loyalty and a sense of belonging, for sure. And if there's a local league, even better, because then you get the competition element into it. It's really good for business, particularly if the pub does food as well. Now, my local pub quiz in Brighton does really good food good pies pie and mash so we go there and we'll have drinks we'll have food we'll spend the whole night there so that's brought money into the till that wouldn't have been there without having a quiz we're specifically there for the quiz and we make a whole night of it because the pies are so good we're just like oh yeah it's pie night and it's quiz night so it can really help bring customers into your pub what it also does it makes them happy and it makes them feel good about the pub so they'll tell other people about it and other people think oh i want to go to a good quiz night oh especially if they have really good pies and so you get people coming in that might not have been there not even from that area they might specifically travel to get to that particular pub also you get return custom because if you haven't won that particular quiz night you might think god we came second that night let's try and do better next week so you'll go back again there's always that 
competition element. Definitely. That sounds really good. And one of the things I really like, Jane, and I don't know whether I'm sure you've seen this as well, is where people come up with incredibly inventive names for their quiz teams. I used to give that an extra point, by the way, for the most inventive pub <laughs> pub quiz name the team name so there yeah. was a real there's a real competition then it's like oh god we've got another point here come on come on quiz team names the best yeah so obviously in this post-covid era do you think these kind of quizzes and other games have become more important in pubs not necessarily i wouldn't say i think they were always important and the fact that we're in a post-covid period where people aren't going to the pub as much but for, they're also not going for other reasons anything you can do to encourage people into a pub and to build loyalty then do it so yes and quizzes are always popular people love a quiz and uh, yeah it's an it's an inexpensive and easy way of bringing people into a pub it definitely is. And what about other pub games? Have you got any favourite other type of pub games that you get involved with, Jane? Yes, I, I, there's several. I really love bar billiards. I don't know the rules of it. And I, I prefer to play games where you don't actually play by the rules, actually. So, <laughs> But bar billiards, I absolutely love. And I've got friends who are demons at it. They also don't really know the rules. But we're really good at playing whatever game we've, we've invented on the infrastructure of a bar billiards table. Also, I really like Ring the Bull. Now, that's played in several places. I play in my village. I'm from the Yorkshire Dales, and they have a Ring the Bull in the village pub. Oh, great pub, Craven Arms. And um, so I play it there, love that one. So I don't know if it's known around the country or not, but it's basically, it's a hook, or it can be a bull's horn, and you have a ring on a string or a chain, and you have to throw it onto the hook or onto the, the, the horn ring the bull it's called really like that one then i'm from well I, I live in sussex now i live in brighton and there's a game there called toad in the hole which is shortened to toads and there's a league in brighton and there's some and luckily the ones who are in the league have really great beer now it's become it's an old game by the way but it's become a revived game particularly in the last couple of years and that's when the league started and it just so happens that it's the independent pubs with the really great beer that are in the league so you can be guaranteed really good beer really good cider as well if you go traveling for these um these league games and they go to you know they'll travel to different pubs each week for it it's really good it's good fun a bit noisy it's a really good game <laughs> sounds fantastic uh, really i don't think we could squeeze that into the hop in which i run because it sounds brilliant and i think that the competitiveness might get pretty high i don't know but yeah, yeah. so is that you your need... favorite um no i'd say ring the ring the bull is my favorite but oh. i really like toads and i think that i love toads so much is because it's also connected with really good beer and cider and really good people so it's not just the game itself it's everything around the game that i find so attractive about it and um if i wasn't a beer or a good beer or cider drinker i may not even bother playing the game yeah. so it could you know it could be the locations the pubs the indie pubs it could be the beer and the cider it's definitely atmosphere Mm, sounds like it's a bit of a magic mixture of all of these things. That's the ideal for a pub game, actually. But you're right, Alison. I mean, that is. Toads really shows that. But I think any pub game where people can be playing together or against each other sets this competition up. But it's, it makes a really good atmosphere in the pub. I think you've probably wetted everybody's whistle now. We're all looking forward to playing a game and certainly a game of that, that game of Toad sounds fantastic. So thanks very much, Jane, for your time. It's been brilliant talking to you about games and quizzes. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. All the best. 
You really can't beat a good quiz night in the middle of winter with a nice crackling fire and a delicious pint of ale. I know Americans have been getting into the idea of trivia quizzes and bars, but I still like to think we Brits do it best. Now, before we head over to Halifax, let's do our We Only Here for the Beer feature. I did discover a pub that has a skittle alley in Hammersmith. Oh, wow. There's an incredible pub on the banks of the River Thames called the Black Lion, which has got a proper full-on skittle alley still in place uh, in a sort of area outside the back of the pub, and it's quite extraordinary. So, yeah, it's a really exclusive and posh area of Hammersmith, right on the Thames with a full-on skittle alley, which is quite something. On this episode, we're going to have a special theme for our Only Here for the Beer section. Camera has recently unveiled the top 16 Pub of the Year winners, featuring a pub across each camera region. So if you're looking for examples of excellence, make sure you head to one of these and check out what they have to offer. The overall winner in the Pub of the Year Championship will be announced on the 30th of November 2022. So let's have a quick rattle through the 16 regional winners. I, I don't know if any of us will recognise any of them. Uh, we might. Uh, hopefully we'll all have been to at least one of them. But um, starting off with the central southern region... And their winner is the Bell at Waltham St Lawrence. Then in East Anglia, you've got the King's Head in Norwich. In the East Midlands, the Horse and Jockey at Stapleford. And in Greater Manchester, Real Crafty in Wigan. Moving down to Kent, we have the Larkins Alehouse in Cranbrook. Merseyside Cheshire region, we have the Magazine Hotel in New Brighton. While in the northeast, it's the Station House in Durham. Back down to London now, and there's a place called the Hop Inn in Hornchurch. Oh, never heard of that one. <laughs> Congratulations, so, Alison, on being on the shortlist. Thank you very much. We are absolutely thrilled. And what an amazing group of pubs to be alongside. We're just delighted to be there. So uh, looking forward to uh, getting a chance to visit some of these incredible pubs. So then we have Scotland and Northern Ireland, and their finalist is the Commercial Inn in Dunfermline. In the southwest, it's the Pelican Inn in Gloucester. In Surrey and Sussex, it's the Hornet in Chichester. Wales's entry is the Mould Alehouse in Mould. And then just the final four, Wessex, it's Olaf's Tun Craft Ale Bar in Woolston, Southampton, which is a fantastic name. I've never been there, but I'd like to go there. West Midlands, the Tamworth Tap in Tamworth. In the West Pennines, 15 St Anne's in Lytham St Anne's. And in Yorkshire, Heaven and Ale in Barnsley. So uh, you're up against a fair bit of competition, Alison, there. But uh, I, I guess Absolutely. if... If somebody's listening to this and thinking, well, why isn't my favourite pub on this list? Well, there are plenty of opportunities to nominate your favourite pub or even your favourite beer in forthcoming camera competitions. It's a really good thing to do to, to get pubs to, to the judges' attention. Cameras Pub Design Awards have just opened for nominations. They're seeking the very best-looking pub in the country. It's completely free to enter and anyone can make a nomination. We also have our Pub Saving Award. Now, this is incredible because this celebrates campaign groups which have saved their pub from closure. And goodness knows that as energy bills uh, continue to go up, we need to save as many pubs as we can. So that's a particularly good competition and one to look out for. Now, finally, you can nominate up to five beers per category in Camera's prestigious Champion Beer of Britain competition, which crowns the very best beer in the UK. And I have to say, having been at GBBF this year, uh, one of the things that was missing from previous years was was uh, seeing the Champion Beer of Britain announced and, uh, and the rush to go and sample that beer. You would often see a, a large queue build up at whichever bar was, was serving that beer. 
You have to be a camera member to vote, so if you're not a member, make sure to join us to have your say and head over to the Champion Beer Britain website at cbob.camera.org.uk to make sure you cast your vote before the 1st of November. I started doing my shortlists on the voting page the other day and um, <laughs> I, I think, I mean, thank goodness we've got till the 1st of November because it's going to take me some time to, to whittle each category down to, to five. And I, I know I've said this, I said this last year, I'm still surprised and I know it'll be controversial, but I'm still surprised there isn't a low and no alcohol category in CBOB these days. But um, mm. But anyway... That's a good point, and maybe next year we'll see it there. I'd, I'd like, especially now. I would like to your see your influence. It. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're spreading your influence out there. But I think it's a great idea, definitely. And uh, of course, you can always check out pubs in your area in the Good Beer Guide as well. And the 50th edition is due to hit bookshelves on the 27th of October. It's a special edition featuring regional overviews from the award-winning author of 50 Years of Camera. That's Laura Hadland, and also a very special forward from His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales. If you want to pre-order your copy, you can do so today. Now, in this episode, we want to shine a spotlight on the Halifax Camera Branch because they're in the throes of organising the Calderdale Beer and Cider Festival, which takes place from the 22nd to the 24th of September. No one from the branch was available, which is not surprising given the amount of work preparing it. The festival features 61 beers, with 19 of them served from wooden casks. This is showcasing some of the rarest beers in the UK, many of which are exclusive. In total, 44 breweries are represented, including new breweries, and there are some commissioned ales and beers in some very unusual styles. Now, we have heard from the festival organiser, John Hartley, who tells us that the Calderdale Beer and Cider Festival serves some of the rarest beers in the UK, and that there are some that customers will never get the chance to taste if they don't visit the festival. The ABVs of the beers in wood range from 4.5% to a hefty 10.9%, with the number of new beers on show, many of which are appearing in wood for the first time ever. There are also a number of others which are quite rare or limited, uh, ranging from a Belgian IPA through to a brown ale, a bitter, two old ales, a mild, a barley wine, a pale ale, and various types of specialised stouts and porters. It's fair to say then that there's something for everyone, whichever is your preferred style of ale. All these beers have been matured in wood for a considerable period of time before being brought to the festival to be served to their lucky customers. I do like that about beer festivals where they say, you know, you won't ever get a chance to taste this if you don't come to this beer festival. And the ABV range for the festival as a whole is from 3.4% up to, as Simon said, 10.9%. You'll also find gluten-free, vegan, vegetarian, unfined and fine beers all available. And in addition, there are 13 ciders and perries on offer, including one pider. I believe that piders are a blend of cider and perry. Um, but if someone's had anything different, drop us a note here at the podcast and let us know. It's great to see unusual things. As, as we, as they said earlier, you know, you might not get these anywhere else. You're certainly not going to get piders very often, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, hopefully we've whetted your appetite for attending the Calderdale Beer and Cider Festival this year. And if you'd like to find out more or book your tickets, just head over to the Halifax Camera branch website where you'll find out full details of how you can book. And with that, season five is almost over. Don't worry, though, we will be back on the airwaves towards the end of the year and we'll have a brand new season of fresh content and interviews. 
Just one thing to do before we go there. Well, two things. We'll have some thank yous to, to say as well. But uh, we always finish with our last orders. It's been a, a great summer of beer for me. But, but what have you guys been drinking that you've particularly enjoyed in your last orders? I'll, I'll go first and say um, I've been really enjoying a Thornbridge Jaipur. I guess you'd call it a, a modern day classic. And whenever I see it on cask, I find it very hard to refuse. I can understand that, definitely. So I've been uh, frequenting the beautifully restored Boland Tavern uh, when I'm not working at the Hop Inn. That's uh, the old West Ham pub in Upton Park. It's looking fabulous, um, fully restored. And, and I've been drinking and very much enjoying Jimbo from Purity. And I have to mention a cider because it is the law. I have really been loving uh, the new Songbird 2 from Nightingale Cider in Kent. And that one has been aged in a Chardonnay barrel. So it has an extraordinary character. It's showing just how amazing Kent cider can be. That sounds fantastic. Well, I'm going to choose one that I've um, I've seen at a beer festival. I've also had it in bottles, actually. Um, and when I was on, on holiday earlier this year in Yorkshire, I think I, I saw it in one or two pubs. Um, it's Osset from West Yorkshire Brewery, and it's their Yorkshire Blonde. It's a pale ale, full-bodied, well-rounded. Um, it's 3.9%, so not too strong. And, uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed that. I've been pleased to, to see it in, in bottles as well because when you've enjoyed a beer somewhere, it's always nice to, to go and taste it again. Although, it's for me, I, I think I prefer it um, in a pub. But uh, as I'm not in that part of the world, in, in bottles will have to do. So that's, that's my um, last orders for this season. Of course, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We're always pleased to hear from people. You can get in touch with us with your thoughts either by finding Pubs, Pints People on Twitter or on Facebook, or you can send us an email, even podcast at camera.org.uk. Now, before we sign off, we need to say a huge thank you to all of our volunteers who've helped put the show together this season. From our very talented scriptwriters, Mark Lovett and Jeff Bennett, as well as Sean O'Mahony on social media, our editors David King, John Ram, Simon Price, Simon Clark, and Paul Hadfield. And not forgetting all of the hosts who've brought this season to you, including Susanna Mansfield, Paul Grant, Helen Smith, Alison Tafts, myself, Simon Webster, and of course, Claire, who's been the, the anchor that's brought us all together and done so much to make the series go smoothly. Finally, of course, we have to say a thank you to all of the interviewees that we've had the pleasure of uh, meeting and chatting with uh, throughout this year. Uh, they've certainly led to some memorable conversations. And I have to say, as my uh, first season as a, as a host, uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed stepping up into the chair and I hope I've been able to bring uh, something to the show and that the listeners have really enjoyed uh, our approach to this season by bringing uh, the spotlight on different parts of the country and bringing lots of different interviewees and hosts together. I think it's certainly been really enjoyable working with so many different people and um, and, and hosting with so many different people as well. And we, we should also say thank you to, to Katie behind the scenes at Camera who does a lot of hard work uh, for the podcast as well. And thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody. Is it time for a cheers? I think it is. <laughs> cheers, everyone. Cheers. cheers. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Derges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia, Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to wwwbeer 52 that's the numbers 5and2.com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.